the first 17 verses of Psalm 51. To the choir master, a psalm of David when Nathan the prophet went to him after he had gone into Bathsheba. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. For you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. And we'll stop uh, the reading there. Let's pray. Our God and Father, we ask you to open your word to us by your Holy Spirit. Lord, uh, enable us to hear and to uh, take in and to embrace and to act upon uh, what is written here before us to the glory of our Savior, in whose name we pray. Amen. David's confession in Psalm 51 would enable his subsequent testimony of relational and uh, spiritual uh, restoration. That's what we call the central idea of the text, a summation of, of the text. Out of that, I declare this principle. Confession is the key to both relational and spiritual restoration. Now, that's what I'm going to say in the next 15 to 20 minutes. And my purpose in saying it is this, that you readily, regularly, and really confess your need of mercy, cleansing, and restoration. 
So first, let's revisit the heading. If you're taking notes, this is Roman, Roman number one. But the heading there says, first of all, that this psalm is for the choir master. That is, that it's meant for corporate communal adoption in worship. I grew up in the Missouri Synod Lutheran Church uh, as, a, as a child. And uh, every first Sunday, this Sunday of the month, we would chant the 51st Psalm. It's been part of my life as long as I can remember back. Uh, and that's what it was written to do. Uh, that's what it's been adopted by in the scriptures for, uh, to be part of our worship. Uh, which means that it's not merely a personal, private communique between a man and his God. It is that, but it's much more. The next thing that the heading says is that David wrote it. We said last week, remember, we identified David. Here is the man after God's own heart who is God's own king over God's own people, Israel. He's his chosen king over his chosen people. And third, David is the ancestor and type of God's own son, our Lord Jesus Christ. And he wrote it, this psalm, after Nathan had come to him and confronted him about his sin with Bathsheba. Now you read about that in 2 Samuel 11, the sin, and 12, Nathan's confrontation of him. Chapter 11 of 2 Samuel begins with these words. It was spring, the time when kings go out to battle. Period. New, new sentence. And David sent Joab. And then it goes on to say that David, remaining there in Jerusalem while his army went out to fight, was on his roof, which is not all that strange in the Middle East in those days. The uh, they had roofs like we have front porches. It's a place where you went. You, you took your morning coffee, your evening cocktail, whatever. You were on the roof. And he's on his roof. And you know the story. He sees Bathsheba. And all sorts of things uh, happen. David wasn't where he was supposed to be. Which automatically means that he was where he wasn't supposed to be. <laughs> and this has nothing to do with any of this in a sense, and yet it has everything to do with all of it. But it's for the young people. It's a rule at my house today. Ain't nothing good happens after midnight. My children are pushing 50. I don't know that they understand that yet, but still the rule. He was where he wasn't supposed to be. Now, 
You know, here's a question I've been asking for years. Was David on the roof because he knew Bathsheba was going to be bathing? Was Bathsheba bathing because she knew David was going to be on the roof? Question will never be able to answer. But it's interesting, isn't it? Well, anyway, they sinned and compounded that sin. And it was a heinous, terrible, nauseating, sickening, multifaceted sin that involved adultery, murder, and a child's death. It just doesn't get uglier, does it? And David did it. The man after God's own heart. God's own chosen king over his own chosen people. The ancestor, the type of Jesus. And I say all of that to say this. Don't you ever think that you're above anything. The minute you do, you're in deep trouble. Actually, you've already done it. (laughs) If you're over a certain age and you're sitting in this room, male or female, you have looked at someone of the other sex with the purpose of it. Doesn't have to, you don't have to lust at them. You've looked at them with the purpose of doing so. Maybe that you looked at them, you were caught, and, and they turned around, they're ugly as homemade sin, and you went off. You've still looked for a purpose. At some point in your life, you have thought or called someone stupid or fool. And Jesus says, by those two actions, looking and thinking, you're guilty of adultery and murder. Read the Sermon on the Mount, chapter 5, Matthew chapter 5. So, you're already there. Now, here's the good news in all of this. When you sin, not if you sin, you already have and you're going to. When you sin, God has prepared a way of restoration, which brings us to Roman numeral two, if you're outlined. It's the five, uh, threefold way of confession. The first part of which, you can't make it right. So say so. In other words, pray for mercy, which is to say, pray that you not get what you deserve. It's the other side of grace. Grace is getting what you don't deserve. And they both come from God. God, be merciful to me, the sinner said the tax collector in the temple. 
and God was. That man went down to his house justified. God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector, said the other guy in the temple, the Pharisee, who who had no need of mercy or grace in his mind. So he received neither. He just went on his way. All that to say, be careful. Be careful. Second, you've sinned against God, so admit it. In Psalm 32, remember David used those three terms for sin. He uses the exact same three terms in Psalm 51 to describe the comprehensiveness of his sin. Crossing the line, falling short, wandering from the path. Transgression, sin, iniquity are the Bible words for it. He makes a comprehensive confession of the true nature of his sin as well as all its forms in his life and you and I better as well. He confesses as well that his sin involves, well, this is in the heading, his sin which involved Bathsheba and Uriah and their marriage and David and Bathsheba's son and his office as king of God's people and God's people and who knows who else it involved and brought into. But the judgment that he'll face in the last day is God's. That's who he'll answer to. How much better to do so now as David did. God may well have imputed Adam's sin to us, charged it to us on our account, so that, so that we can say with David, uh, you know, I began in iniquity, in sin my mother conceived me. It's talking about original sin. It's not talking about, you know, impropriety and, 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 and the idea of fruitfulness. God has told us to be fruitful. There's nothing sinful in that. It's the passing down of Adam's sin that comes to us. And yet, yet our sin is our own. And we need to name it and and to own it as our own. And third thing to confess is you filed your relationship with your God. So seek its restoration. 
you notice when we read Psalm 51? Have you ever paid attention to it when you're reading Psalm 51, singing Psalm 51, when you're thinking about Psalm 51? Nowhere does it ask God for forgiveness. The word forgive, forgiveness, forgave, and then it. It's, it's all about cleansing. Everywhere David asked to be cleansed because he's polluted himself with sin. He needs his sin blotted out. He needs a celestial tied pen to come and blot it out. He needs to be cleansed of it. It needs to be washed away. He needs Clorox to make it white again. It's the only way he'll ever be admitted back into God's presence. Who can stand in the presence of God? Only the one who is clean. Which excludes us. (laughs) We too need cleansing. Need our sin blotted out. Need it washed away. And we need to confess that. Won't it be great on the last day and for all eternity to experience what we sing about when we sing Jesus paid it all all to him I owe Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. So you confess. Roman number three. Then be ready to testify. To testify to joy and gladness restored. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways. I will testify to the saints and everybody else. And when you do that, then expect results because he says, and sinners will return to you. Testify of your relationship to God, restore me. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O oh God. Blood guiltiness was a problem. Uh, whether it's talking there about specifically about the murder of Uriah, his spilled blood, or just the fact that he's under uh, capital punishment, you know, or, or whatever. But his blood guiltiness is what has separated him from God. Deliver me from that blood guiltiness, O God, O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. So, Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. Testify of spiritual equilibrium restored. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. For you will not delight in sacrifice or outgiving. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O oh God. You will not despise. 
God couldn't. God wouldn't delight in sacrifices that came from anything other than a right inner disposition, a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. That alone was the only way to offer an acceptable sacrifice to God. Things are different now, aren't they? Jesus offered the perfect sacrifice in our place for us. But what's the only inner disposition by which you and I can take advantage of it? A broken spirit. A broken and a contrite heart. That says, nothing in my hand I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. Naked come to thee for dress, helpless look to thee for grace. Foul I to the fountain fly, wash me, Savior, or I die. That's what I came to say. <laughs> what I said I was going to say is pretty much, I think, what I said. Confession is the key to both relational and spiritual restoration. At least that's what I've tried to say. And I did it with the hope that as a re- result, you will readily, regularly, and really confess your need of mercy, cleansing, and restoration. Let's pray.